Long History Jacques Cartier, Journey 3, Part 1 The Fate of the Lord of Canada Welcome everyone to the latest episode of Long History and here we're covering Jacques Cartier's historic journeys exploring the St Lawrence River and the Atlantic coast of Canada. There are three journeys altogether in this series in a total of 15 episodes so if you want feel free to go back to number one and start at the beginning if you haven't heard all the previous episodes already. However all episodes should be standalone so you can listen to this in isolation and dip in and out of any episode you like. Now here on Long History we like to give the very source documents of history, particularly of the age of exploration. So we give first hand accounts of historic journeys, making this history without the edits and without the filters. And we have over 300 episodes of Long History now, which will be available on your podcast provider, or they're all gathered together neatly on longhistory.net, our website. So feel free to subscribe or follow Long History in order to be informed of when the remaining episodes of this series are released and of future episodes. Okay, back to today's episode. And this is the third and final of the three journeys we're covering here by Jacques Cartier. The second journey was the longest one. And during that journey, Jacques Cartier headed up the St. Lawrence River to a place called Ochelaga, which is today's Montreal and then headed back down to a place called Stadacona, which is today's Quebec City. In the latter place, he seemed to have good relations with the local people, although there were some sorts of tensions in the area. Jacques Cartier and his men clearly like this area and want to take it for France. And when the local people of the area suggest that the French take one of their enemies back to France with them, Jacques Cartier turns that idea on its head the result of which being that he captures the leader of those people. And at the end of the previous journey, he took this leader, called Donna Connor, back to France with him. Now this third journey is four years later. The second one ended in 1536 and this one takes up the story in 1540. And here we'll find out what happened to that Lord of Canada. This is Jacques Cartier, Journey 3, Part 1. The fate of the Lord of Canada. The third voyage of discovery made by Captain Jacques Cartier, 1540, unto the countries of Canada, Ochelaga, and Saguenay. King Francis I, having heard the report of Captain Cartier, his pilot general, in his two former voyages of discovery, as well by writing as by word of mouth, touching that which he had found and seen in the western parts discovered by him in the parts of Canada and Ochelaga, and having also seen and talked with the people which the said Cartier had brought out of those countries, whereof one was King of Canada, whose name was Don O'Connor, and others, which, after that they had been a long time in France and Brittany, were baptised at their own desire and request, and died in the said country Brittany. And albeit his majesty was advertised by the said courtier of the death and decease of all the people which were brought over by him, which were ten in number, saving one little girl about ten years old, yet he resolved to send the said courtier his pilot thither again, with John Francis de la Roche, knight, 
Lord of Roberal, whom he appointed his lieutenant and governor in the countries of Canada and Ochelaga, and the said Cartier captain-general and leader of the ships, that they might discover more than was done before in the former voyages, and attain, if it were possible, unto the knowledge of the country of Saguenay, whereof the people brought by Cartier, as is declared, made mention unto the king that there were great riches and very good countries. And the king caused a certain sum of money to be delivered to furnish out the said voyage with five ships, which thing was performed by the said Monsieur Roboral and Cartier. After that, they had agreed together to rig the said five ships at St Malo in Brittany, where the two former voyages had been prepared and set forth. And the said Monsieur Roboral sent Cartier thither for the same purpose. And after that Cartier had caused the said five ships to be built and furnished and set in good order, Monsieur Roboral came down to St Malo and found the ships fallen down to the road with their yards across, full ready to depart and set sail, staying for nothing else but the coming of the general and the payment of the furniture. And because Monsieur Roboral, the king's lieutenant, had not as yet his artillery, powder and munitions and other things necessary come down, which he had provided for the voyage, in the countries of Champagne and Normandy, and because the said things were very necessary, and that he was loath to depart without them, he determined to depart from St Malo to Rouen, and to prepare a ship or two at Ornfleur, whither he thought his things were come, and that the said Cartier should depart with the five ships which he had furnished, and should go before. Considering also that the said Cartier had received letters from the king, whereby he did expressly charge him to depart and set sail immediately upon the site and receipt thereof, on pain of incurring his displeasure, and to lay all the fault on him. And after the conclusion of these things, and the said Monsieur Roberal had taken muster and view of the gentlemen, soldiers and mariners which were retained and chosen for the performance of the said voyage, he gave unto Captain Cartier full authority to depart and go before, and to govern all things as if he had been sent there in person, and himself departed to Ornfleur to make his further preparation. After these things thus dispatched, the wind coming fair, the foresaid five ships set sail together, well furnished and victualled, for two year, the 23rd of May, 1540. And we sailed so long with contrary winds and continual torments, which fell out by reason of our late departure, that we were on the sea with our said five ships full three months before we could arrive at the port and haven of Canada, without ever having in all that time thirty hours of good wind to serve us to keep our right course so that our five ships through those storms lost company one of another, all save that two kept together, to wit, that wherein the captain was, and the other wherein went the Viscount of Beaupre, until at length at the end of one month 
we met all together at the haven of Kaipong in Newfoundland. But the length of time which we were in passing between Brittany and Newfoundland was the cause that we stood in great need of water, because of the cattle as well goats, hogs and other beasts which we carried for breed in the country, which we were constrained to water with cider and other sorts of drink. Now therefore, because we were the space of three months in sailing on the sea, and staying in Newfoundland, waiting for Monsieur Roberual, and taking in of fresh water and other things necessary, we arrived not before the haven of St. Croix in Canada, where in the former voyage we had remained eight months, until the 23rd day of August. In which place the people of the country came to our ships, making show of joy for our arrival, and namely he came thither which had the rule and government of the country of Canada, named Agona, which was appointed king there by Donna Connor, when in the former voyage we carried him into France. And he came to the captain's ship with six or seven boats and with many women and children, and after the said Agona had inquired of the captain where Donna Connor and the rest were, the captain answered him that Donna Connor was dead in France, and that his body rested in the earth, and that the rest stayed there as uh, great lords, and were married, and would not return back into their country. The said Agona made no show of anger at all these speeches, and I think he took it so well, because he remained lord and governor of the country by the death of the said Donacona. After which conference, the said Agona took a piece of tanned leather of a yellow skin edged about with Ezogni, which is their riches and the thing that they esteem most precious as we esteem gold, which was upon his head instead of a crown, and he put the same on the head of our captain, and took from his wrists two bracelets of Ezogni, and put them upon the captain's arms, calling him about the neck, and showing unto him great signs of joy, which was all dissimulation, as afterward it well appeared. The captain took his said crown of leather, and put it again on his head, and gave him and his wife certain small presents, signifying unto him that he had brought certain new things, which afterward he would bestow upon him, for which the said Agona thanked the captain, and after that he had made him and his company eat and drink, they departed, and returned to the shore with their boats. After which things the said captain went with two of his boats up the river, beyond Canada and the port of St. Croix, to view a haven and a small river which is about four leagues higher, which he found better and more commodious to ride in and lay his ships than the former and therefore he returned, and caused all his ships to be brought before the said river, and at low water he caused his ordinance to be planted to place his ships in more safety, which he meant to keep and stay in the country, which were three, which he did the day following, and the rest remained in the road in the midst of the river, in which place the victuals and other furniture were discharged, which they had brought, from the 26th of August until the 2nd of September, what time they departed to return for St. Malo, in which ships he sent back Mace Eobert 
his brother-in-law, and Stephen Noel, his nephew, skilful and excellent pilots, with letters unto the king, and to advertise him what had been done and found, and how Monsieur Robert Ruel was not yet come, and that he feared that by occasion of contrary winds and tempests he was driven back again into France. There are only two parts to this journey, and we don't actually know who wrote these documents themselves, but there does seem to have been either a different writer or a different translator here. The source itself will be listed on our website longhistory.net, but just to give a summary here, the king granted Cartier the ability to sail to this place, but there was a second man, Monsieur Robert who was given charge of the place. Jacques Cartier prepared the ships, but Monsieur Robert preparations hadn't happened in time, so Cartier sailed on, expecting Robert to catch up with him. Cartier arrives in Canada, finds the same group of people, and also finds that they're now being led by this man Agona, who seems to be quite happy that Donna Connor actually died back in France. And as this episode ends, Jacques Cartier is still waiting for Monsieur Robert to come. Here we're also seeing the early signs of the setting up of a permanent colony, with all those animals that are imported from France. So thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that was of interest. Just one more to go in this journey and in fact in all of the journeys of Jacques Cartier. These are the very earliest days of the development of New France and Quebec as it would eventually be. So please do give it a like before you move on and share this episode with anyone who might be interested in the early days of Canada. This was Jacques Cartier, Journey 3, Part 1. The Fate of the Lord of Canada. Goodbye.